you're listening to the Sheep Guarding Llama podcast for Friday, May 30th, 2008. I am your host, Scott Allen Miller. Welcome to the show. All right, well, it's great to be back. Uh, I have to apologize. It has been at least uh, six and a half months, I believe, since we did the last episode, which was uh, obviously episode 57. This is episode 58, which we recorded on November 16th, 2007. This is now the last day of May 2008. It has been just a horrible schedule here, and I know people were looking forward to hearing us podcast while we were in the United Kingdom, and we just were not able to do that. Uh, The schedule was way too hectic. Uh, Being in a foreign country, I had to work the entire time we were there, running all around the place, uh, because we traveled between many different cities in in the UK. Uh, We just didn't have any way to do the podcast, and uh, as some of you know, I'm doing a a master's degree on the side, uh, in addition to my normal workload, and uh, Dominica is doing a second bachelor's degree, in addition to her normal workload, and so uh, we just, we have not found time to do the podcast, and I'm very sorry, but we are trying to get back on schedule, uh, and it, and at least uh, we're not going to try to do the ambitious schedule that we used to, but uh, we're definitely going to try to do uh, a few throughout the year at the very least, because uh, we love doing the podcast, and we know a lot of you love listening to it, and we have a really good listenership when we are making shows, and uh, so we are at least going to try to do the podcast, especially when we're traveling, because uh, that's our best stuff. Um, everyone listens to those shows. We enjoy doing them uh, more, so we're going to at least try to get those in as often as possible. So today is May 30th, and actually, believe it or not, uh, we've only done two episodes since the last time we were in Walt Disney World, and Tomorrow, we are leaving for Walt Disney World again, uh, 53 weeks since we did uh, the show last year from the Animal Kingdom Lodge. This time we're going to uh, the Wilderness Lodge, and I'm not going to really talk about that in today's show, but just something to look forward to that we are going. There will be pictures up on the, on the Flickr page, all that stuff. Check it out. Uh, no music today. Um, I don't expect there to be music for the next several episodes, uh, just because I have not had time to... It, t- it takes many, many hours to, to find music, get it ready, and put it into the show, and uh, I just haven't I just don't have the time to do that, so unfortunately we're, we're going to have to let that go for a little while, but I, I hope to get back to that uh, at some point. All right, uh, what I want to cover in this show is uh, I want to go back and at least do as much covering of our UK trip as I can. Uh, I know it's been a long time, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not going to remember now, which is awful. Uh, we did blog while we were there, so um, if you want more information, definitely check out the Sheep Guarding Llama blog during that time. That's www.sheepguardinglama.com. All right. Well, we flew into Heathrow Airport in London, in England, on uh, Saturday morning. This would be, I believe this is November 17th. Yes, November 17th. We left uh, on Friday night, the 16th and flew to England, and uh, we had the weekend free. I didn't have to work until Monday. I had to report on Monday to the office at Canary Wharf in downtown London. Um, So we decided to take the weekend. It was our only free time. The entire time we were there, the only real block of free time, was the, the first Saturday that we arrived and Sunday. So we wanted to go into the British countryside and kind of get a feel just for what rural England was like, 
and uh, we couldn't go too far because we just didn't have enough time. So originally we had looked at a number of different places to go and had a little bit of a uh, problem finding hotels or bed and breakfast or whatever, and we finally decided to try uh, Stratford-upon-Avon, which, as many people know, is the birthplace of William Shakespeare and uh, is very famous for the Royal Shakespeare Company is located there. And so it's it's a relatively popular tourist destination. We weren't going at the height of the tourist season, and it's it's very popular for locals, uh, for, for the British to go there, but for foreign tourists, it's not nearly as popular. So while it's a tourist destination to some degree, uh, it is a, a real British village that operates as a real British village, and tourism is a, is a minor piece of their, um, their revenue. And uh, most of the people who are visiting there are from England, so you're you're not getting the uh, you know everything's made for Americans or for continentals feel that you would get in in some other tourist destinations. So, so it was very cool. We took the train. We we landed in London uh, and went straight to the train station and took a train about three hour ride into the country. Stratford upon Avon lies to the northwest of London. London is almost on the British Channel to the east and pretty far south. So uh, Stratford upon Avon is uh, a good way is into into central England, so it, it kind of gave us a, a really nice feel for the, the lay of the land in the southern half of the country, which was, it was very cool. The train ride was great. We went through a lot of really cool scenery, a lot of really neat areas, got to see a lot of towns and cities that uh, we know from, you know, from British television, from reading about England. Uh, so it, while it was just a survey off the train, it was still very cool. We had a really good time just, just riding and watching everything go by. One thing we did notice that was we thought was very funny is that when you're riding on the train, uh, with the exception of the fact that there are sheep everywhere instead of cows, the scenery is unbelievably similar to upstate New York in the uh, the west of Syracuse region. So it's it feels a lot more like home uh, than than you might expect if you're from New York. Uh, but it's uh, obviously the weather is much nicer. It doesn't get as cold. Doesn't get as hot from a weather standpoint. It's it's really amazing. But scenery wise is like uh, it's like a spring day in New York. Uh, so we arrived in Stratford upon Avon. We took a cab to the bed and breakfast. We stayed at a little bed and breakfast uh, just outside. I guess technically it's within the village, but it's like the last street in the village. So you really kind of felt like you're on your way out of town. Uh, it was nice, nice though, because we were off the beaten path, and uh, it was a very nice bed and breakfast. We were very impressed uh, with the whole feel, and I, you know, this is the only bed and breakfast that we stayed at the whole time we were there. So we don't really know uh, what the, you know, if this was normal or abnormal. But uh, the place we stayed at was was really, really awesome, and we would totally go back. And uh, I believe it was the. Avon Park House. Uh, the information is on uh, the blog, so if you're looking to go to Stratford-upon-Avon, check where we went. Stay there; it's awesome. Um, but there's a lot of it was, you know. The, it was the first time we were staying any place in England, so we got a whole bunch of our first introduction to British stuff right there. It was the first time we had to deal with using the uh, the wall plugs to plug anything in because they have ridiculous, gigantic wall connectors the size of your hand. It was the uh, you know it was a cool day. It was not cold. It was you know not you know snowing or anything, but it was it was definitely not a warm day. Uh, but unlike anything in America, we walked into our hotel, our bed and breakfast room, and the windows were open, uh, which is something we knew about England, but you don't really realize it until you're there and you you walk into a room and you're like, wow, it's it's really cold. This is full of fresh air uh, from the outside, and it was it was lightly raining, and uh, it was really neat for those of us who like cold and rainy weather and fresh air. 
but for most Americans, I think it would be pretty surprising that uh, the windows are open under those uh, those circumstances. Everything was very, very nice about the bread and breakfast. We loved it. Uh, we hope to go back there at some point. Uh, it was very nice because it was walking distance from town. Uh, we certainly weren't going to drive in England while we were there. Uh, the whole driving on the left thing is a little bit scary, and if you're only there for uh, a few days of being able to drive, it, it's not really worth switching over just to switch right back. If we were going to be there for several weeks, uh, we would have gotten over that, and I would have I would have driven while we were there. But being there for just a few days, we decided to forego that experience. But luckily, we were able to walk right into town, uh, which we did, and had a very enjoyable evening. It was very cool. Well, we just walked around and kind of got a feel for the area. We went to the Black Swan, which is the, the famous pub there in Stratford-upon-Avon, famous because Shakespeare used to go there, and it's directly across the street from the Shakespeare Company, so uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company, so there's a lot of really famous actors uh, tend to hang out there. It's a very popular spot. Lots of tourists, though. It's a very big place, um, but uh, food was excellent. It, it was the first uh, actual British pub that we got to got to eat at. Um, so that was that was a neat experience to be at a real one, even though it was kind of a big touristy one. Uh, but even so, they're very very different than bars in the United States. Uh, it's it's if you're not familiar with real British pubs, and I've never been to a pub in the United States, even ones that claim to be very very British, as anything like an actual British pub. Because in the United States, the the culture doesn't exist to support an actual pub. Um, actual pubs are really, I mean, it's, it, it's short for public house. And, you know, people really do, communities go to the pub and hang out, and there's kids, and there's people just eating dinner, and the fact that there's beer is not um, is not the, the focal point of the pub, even though almost everyone drinks beer um, in the U.S., it's, it, people go to drink, and they go for typically the cheapest beer they can get, and food is kind of a, an ancillary activity, but at the at the British pubs, it's, it's a place where you're getting dinner, and they just drink beer with dinner, but they don't really drink cheap beer, they drink really good beer, but the prices are actually low because everybody drinks really good beer, um, so it, it's, a, it's a weird feeling. Uh, the, the whole situation is completely different than what you find in the United States, and so it's, it's hard to describe until you actually go and, uh, and spend time in one, but it's actually just a, a community meeting place, really, rather than pub as we think of it here. Um, so our first day was was pretty slow. We walked around town. We kind of got a feel for the place, um, but that was about it. We went to bed early and relaxed, and you can check the blog to see how accurate I am in my recollection now six months later uh, of exactly when we did what event um, as I try to put it all back together. On Sunday, that was our only full day in uh, in Stratford. Uh, we, we obviously had to leave Monday morning to go back to London, and Saturday we didn't arrive until uh, middle of the afternoon. So so we really didn't have too much time. Uh, Sunday, though, we, we got to go around and do some shopping downtown. And uh, we took, I believe in the early morning, we took a uh, bus tour of Stratford, which is pretty short. I mean, it's a, it's a village. Now, in the United States, we would call it a city. It's not a big city. It's a very small city. But in England, they call it a village because it doesn't quite meet their, their city standards. But there is public transportation, which we don't typically see in villages here. We, we don't expect that, but their uh, public transportation is a completely different animal. It's everywhere. You can live anywhere, in uh, even in rural England, without a car, and, and it seems that you could do pretty well. So we took a bus tour of, of Stratford, and that was interesting, but I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, the first thing that we noticed was that all the tourist spots were completely contrived, and there was only a couple of them 
such as the birthplace of Shakespeare's mother. Uh, I'm not sure why we care where Shakespeare's mother was born, but even if you do care, the part that makes it really awful is that it's the place where she's suspected to have been born. There's not really any records, so there's there's quite a few of these. Uh, you go see the supposed birthplace of his mother. You go see the supposed office of his son-in-law, which is about as remote as you can possibly get while still being able to somehow mention Shakespeare to make it a tourist attraction. Uh, so it was pretty awful. But what we really did love about going around town is, as Americans, seeing uh, just how old uh, this this expensive, modern working village is, uh, is really amazing. There's, there's just no way to describe how neat it is. Uh, we saw it first as we were traveling on the train. Uh, you would look out the windows and there would just be whole streets of, of buildings built in the 15 and 1600s, uh, things that obviously you've never seen in the United States. And these are, these are actively lived in houses, houses that are still being bought and sold and lived in and worked on. And, uh, no one would ever consider them to be, you know, unworkable. And in the U.S., we don't, we don't even have such a thing. And when we were in Stratford, there was quite a number of houses. I mean, there are still people actively living in houses with thatched roofs. There, there is, you know, a thatching business who rethatches roofs on a regular basis because it's, it's, a, it's a need in a village like this. There are so many homes with thatched roofs. And uh, there is a, a building built in, I think, the 1300s. It was, a, it was a large building at the time. It's not a church, which you expect anything that old to be, but it was more like a warehouse, like a fancy warehouse with a, a hall of some sort. And uh, the building is in, in horrible shape, but it's still in use today. It's not a museum. It's not a relic. It is an actively used building in the middle of town. And that's, that's one of the really amazing things to Americans. For us, anything that dates before 1800 is deemed a landmark and cannot be touched and is only used for nonprofit organizations who have a specific interest in the history of the building. But in England, there are so many buildings so much older than that, that buildings we would consider beyond relic status, the, the most museum quality building there is is just used in, in everyday activities and it's not really, you don't really think too much about it. It's, it's a very interesting change that obviously Europe has things much older than we do. So that was very neat. We got to see a lot of the town and get a feel for how the town was laid out and uh, we, we enjoyed that a lot. In the afternoon, we took the city bus, or the village bus, the, the regular public transportation, which was very neat. Um, in the U.S., riding a city bus is kind of a scary experience. Uh, you're expected to have exact change, and the bus drivers are always uh, not very happy, and uh, the people riding the bus are, are not really typically people you want to you know ride the bus with. It varies where you are, of course, but uh, by and large, riding city buses... Um, is is not always a pleasant activity, but in England, uh, the buses we were surprised were absolutely clean. Uh, people riding the bus were, you know, upstanding citizens in suits and and all dressed up. It's, you know, it's a completely different people who in the United States would never consider getting on a bus. In England, everyone rides the bus and they take credit cards and your bus driver is happy to be a tour guide and you just tell them what you need and they understand that you're Americans and they and they help you out and point everything out uh, how to use the bus and how to get on and off and where to catch it and and it was a uh, it was an experience I wouldn't expect in the United States from a public transportation system. So we were we were pleasantly surprised by that and and very much enjoyed the bus ride on the immaculately clean and brightly colored uh, village bus. It took about an hour, I believe, uh, and we went up to the town of uh, Warwick, uh, which is famous for Warwick Castle. It's one of the 
um, best preserved castles uh, in all of England, and uh, just happened to be in this city very, very close to where uh, to, to Stratford. So we decided to, to check it out, and uh, the castle tour was was awesome. Um, this is obviously the first time that either Dominica or I had been in a uh, a real castle, and uh, it was it was very, very interesting. This was a, a working castle. It's a very old structure. Um, the, the, the city of Warwick was actually built around the castle, um, and actually the bus dropped us off downtown. So to get to the castle, we had to walk through the city, which was very neat because downtown, uh, while a lot of the buildings are old, they're, they're occupied by you know, new businesses, the kind of things you would expect downtown in a small city with uh, fashionable shops and uh, high-end eateries and uh, all the things that you would expect in a, in a city. And as you walk through the town, uh, it kind of shifted to residential, and you could tell as you went from street to street that we got older and older, and by the time we got down towards, uh, I believe it's actually called Castle Street, um, the entire street was hundreds of years old, um, maybe even from the 1600s, very, very old, and all the buildings were tiny, and the, the construction was completely different. And walking down a street where every building is this old is, is really an interesting experience that I'm sure if you live in the UK, uh, you take completely for granted because you see it all the time. But for an American, it's like being in a completely different universe. So we, we went through town, and we came upon the castle, which is very, very neat because the castle's actually kind of nestled into the village. We don't really see it too much. So you kind of come around a corner, and suddenly you're at a castle right against the village. I mean, like, there are people who live directly next door to the castle and can, you know, toss their newspaper through the gates of the the castle grounds in the morning, which is uh, weird. In the United States, again, everything would be so separate. If there was a castle somewhere, there would be hundreds of acres of lawn separating it from probably a woods, uh, which would separate it from a fence, which would separate it from a highway, and then somewhere on the other side of that highway, there might be a house, uh, but in England everything is pressed right up together, and uh, you're you're really next to things. It's it's very very different. So we uh, we took the tour and we walked all through the castle, and we made the mistake of walking up to the high turrets, and uh, you kind of forget that this is a real castle built hundreds of years ago, and uh, things are not built for safety or convenience, and uh, we had to walk up completely dark uh, spiral staircases in the turrets and they went up and up and up to the point where you started getting vertigo as you went up these stairs and you're getting covered in dirt and rust from the from the ancient iron handrails and uh, some of the stones on the stairs are missing and uh, all of them are worn away from thousands of people trooping up and down them every day for hundreds of years and uh, so by the time we got to the top we were very dirty and a bit woozy and concerned about the trip down and what makes it worse is that it's a long stone spiral staircase there's nothing to catch you should you fall if you slip and go you're going to go several stories down very hard stone in complete darkness uh, and hopefully someone will be able to find you um, because you're in complete darkness. There's there's nothing to, to make it easy to get you out. So it's uh, that's completely different than, than most things you would find in the U.S. Uh, because we don't have things that old, so we don't have to worry about it. Um, and we got to tour the, uh, the dungeons uh, where many people were kept, and that was very depressing, but interesting as well that uh, this, this is what you know jails really were like uh, at the time, not like what you see in the movies. It's much, much worse. And uh, the castle itself was very, very interesting, and uh, Madame Tussauds, uh, who is here in New York City and in London, uh, did the exhibits within the, the castle. 
so that was very, very cool, and there's lots of really neat antiques, real ones, not <laughs> replicas, um, such as uh, famous paintings, for example, uh, that, that were originally part of the castle. So we had a great time at the castle. It was awesome, and uh, uh, got to talk to a lot of really interesting people. And then uh, took the bus home. Uh, by the time we got back to Stratford-upon-Avon, it was dark uh, and raining, and uh, we wanted to get dinner. And uh, so we went to the uh, the local pub, which was right up the street from our uh, bed and breakfast. We actually went back to the bed and breakfast, cleaned up, and then uh, tried going out to the pub. And so we stopped by this pub that was directly next door to where we were staying. And uh, what was what was really neat was this was a pub, unlike uh, the Black Swan, which we went to the day before, uh, the, completely off the beaten path, not designed for tourists whatsoever. Um, this was this is really the local pub for people on this side of town. And uh, we went in, and uh, the, the first thing that, that struck us was they were playing uh, Rhinestone Cowboy on the jukebox, which would never happen in a tourist pub, obviously. But uh, uh, apparently I've spoken to people, and this is something that really does get played in, uh, in pubs in the U.K., and we did learn uh, quite quickly that in the UK, uh, pubs do not serve food after about 6 o'clock, at least not 6 o'clock on Sundays. And uh, so we were able to get a beer, and we spent an hour or so hanging out with the locals who, and this is great, you know, we went into this pub, and there weren't very many people because they weren't serving food anymore, they are kind of shutting down, and the owner was working behind the bar, and uh, there were a couple families, and there's kids running around, and people were playing uh, darts or just hanging out. It was, it was a very family atmosphere, and um, we asked about food, and they told us that, you know, they don't serve, no pub would have food uh, at that point, and uh, they said the only place that we would be able to get food is if we went downtown, which was a very, very short walk. Uh, if we went downtown, some of the, uh, the foreign restaurants uh, with, like, Indian or Chinese food uh, would stay open, but, but nothing British would be open uh, at that time. So, uh, so we stayed for, for a little over an hour, and uh, the moment that people realized we were Americans, uh, lots of locals came up and hung out with us, and we had all kinds of conversations, and it was a really good time, and we absolutely loved uh, the whole pub atmosphere and, and wish we could have hung out more. Um, so we, we left there uh, and went downtown to find food and went to a um, Bangladeshi restaurant in, in downtown Stratford-Bonavon and ate there. Uh, we were about the only people, I think two more people came in the whole time we were there. Uh, food was excellent, uh, had a wonderful time, and then uh, uh, went back to uh, the bed and breakfast um, to call it an evening. Um, and I did forget, in between our, our bus tour in the morning and our uh, trip up to Warwick Castle in the afternoon, we did stop by a downtown pub. Now, this was a larger, more more middle-of-the-city pub. It wasn't so much the local crowd as it was uh, lots of tourists uh, would go there, uh, but not the Black Swan either. So it wasn't completely touristy. It was it was kind of a local pub with with a, uh, an ear lent to the to the tourist. Uh, but it was very very good. The food was amazing. Uh, one of the things that uh, Americans don't realize is that uh, pubs there serve Wellington everywhere, which is puff pastry uh, filled with with different things. And very very good pub food that we we forget about here and, and never serve. Um, and uh, so it was a very, it was much more expensive than a normal pub, and it was very uh, upscale, uh, more like uh, a, a nice family restaurant here in the States, but it really was a pub, and in all pubs in England, you go up and you order at the bar, uh, and no one, there's never anyone serving you at your table. It's, uh, it's kind of confusing as an American, because you can't quite figure out how it works. Um, 
but uh, but we really enjoyed that pub as well. So three pubs in three meals, and uh, all of them were great. Uh, but uh, definitely the last one, the the real local pub, was definitely the the feel that uh, we really enjoyed. Um, so on Monday morning, uh, we had to leave Stratford, which we were very sad because we absolutely love the town. And I don't know if I, that really came through in this podcast, but uh, Stratford was amazing. Um, if we had some way to find work there, we would have just stayed, I'm sure. it was. Uh, the weather was amazing, the people were great, the, the way that the town worked and how easy it was to get around on foot and, and how easy it was to take the bus and just the feel of everything was just awesome. We, we loved it. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's hard to describe just how unlike it is things in the United States uh, until you go. Even watching British television doesn't uh, do it justice. But what, what is strange, I think, is that when watching British television, uh, it is amazing how much of the way the villages work is actually portrayed in British television. I feel that American television shows a world that doesn't exist. Um, if someone was to watch American television then come to the United States, uh, they would wonder where are any of these places that feel like what you see on television. And there there aren't any. They don't exist. It's, it's a weird world that we, we create. But I think a lot of British television creates uh, a, a perspective on more or less the way England actually is, um, and I'm not quite sure how to uh, really put into words what I'm trying to say, uh, so maybe I'll just leave it at that, but it's, um, it's, it's a very interesting culture that really is nice in the small villages. We, we just loved it. So Monday morning, uh, we got up and we took the train uh, back down to London, and uh, that took all the morning, and we got situated in the hotel. Uh, we stayed in City of London, which is right downtown, just off the Thames. Uh, by it's a little bit east of all the really famous stuff. If you're if you're, the moment you say London, people are thinking of the London Eye and the Houses of Parliament and St Paul's Cathedral. And this is just east of there, but but very very close. We could have walked uh, on a good walk over to those things just to the west. Uh, but I'm working uh, on Canary Wharf, which is about three miles to the east. Uh, so this is kind of a central location. Dominica is spending the week uh, during, doing touristy things because she has time without me, so she's able to do that. Uh, so we arrived on Monday. We stayed at the Sleep Inn, City of London, uh, which was actually uh, an amazingly nice hotel, although extremely expensive. The, the first thing that, that we really were surprised by uh, was that we couldn't figure out how to turn on the lights, and so we called down to the desk, and uh, they were pretty surprised that we couldn't figure out how to turn on the lights, but... In the UK, and maybe this is common all throughout Europe, and maybe all throughout the world, I have no idea, uh, you have to take your, your hotel key, your, which obviously is a plastic you know, credit card type thing, and there's a little metal slot on the wall that it will rest in, and you have to put it in there, and then it will turn on the electric in your room. All of your electric is off if, if your key is not <laughs> sitting in that, uh, that little slot. So it's weird, when you leave the room, you pull out your key, and you leave the room, and uh, all the power turns off, which of course is a problem if you have a computer that you need to leave on for some reason, or if you're going in and out of the room, any amount, um, everything you own will turn on and off uh, when you come and go. You have no way to get back into your room without leaving your door ajar. Uh, or, or if you have multiple people, it's not a problem because you leave one key in, and then everyone else can come and go. So it defeats the purpose of the key if you have more than one person because one person just leaves it there and everything stays on. Uh, and if you have one person, then it's a real nuisance uh, because just going to a soda machine or going down to the desk to, to ask a question and 
everything shuts down uh, and turns back on. And in today, you know, this day and age when computers need to stay on and check your mail and stuff, or you need to charge your phone or anything, um, that's a problem. You can't charge your phone when you're not in the hotel room um, or, or a camera or anything. So it's, it's problematic, um, and weird. It didn't cause a problem for us as we had two people, but it was, it was strange nonetheless. So my first order of business was to get to the office in Canary Wharf. Uh, I didn't know anything about how the transportation worked in London. We had taken a subway, um, some, or the the tube as they call it, uh, some distance from uh, the train that we had gotten off of to the hotel. And then we had walked through quite a bit of the city with our luggage, which was kind of awful. Um, and, uh, we, we, you know, the tube was a little bit confusing and, uh, American credit cards are different. We did, we realize now from European credit cards, uh, they have the smart chips. And so most of the automated machines for getting things, uh, there use the smart chip and, uh, we don't have them. So we couldn't use automated machines for the subway or anything like that, which caused all kinds of problems. And we had no idea that they had that so it wasn't until we, we talked to people at, at some help booths uh, for the tube that we found this out. And uh, obviously it causes problems that uh, many of the, the services we would normally use aren't available to us. Uh, so I decided not to take a chance on the train. I looked at a map, and it, it didn't seem that far to Canary Wharf. So I, I walked it. It's about three miles, which is what I was expecting. I walk uh, I walk almost three miles uh, to and from uh, Wall Street every day now. So uh, it wasn't really that big of a deal to walk to Canary Wharf, um, although it was a far walk. Um, uh, I asked at the front desk of the hotel, and they had no idea how to get there. Uh, the person who worked there didn't even seem to be sure where it was, which is kind of strange because... Uh, you just go around the corner and you can see it because the the tallest buildings in the country are on Canary Wharf and it's kind of visible from anywhere. But uh, apparently people don't uh, don't go there very often. So uh, so I set out in kind of the general direction and I had a small map with me uh, that I didn't really use. I just kind of found my way through the docklands uh, down by the Thames and uh, you know most of the time I could see Canary. Canary Wharf off in the distance, and uh, wasn't really a problem. I found my way okay. Getting to the wharf was easy. Um, the sun was starting to go down while I was walking, which was unfortunate, uh, but I did get to see large swaths of London along the river, which was very interesting, and um, and I got to Canary Wharf. What I discovered when I got there was that the wharf is a, an entire complex built on top of a parking garage and, and roadway, and there was really no way on foot to go from outside the wharf to inside the wharf. Uh, there must be, and I just don't know where it was, but it was it was very confusing walking in on the roads. I just ended up underneath Canary Wharf in this humongous underground complex and uh, ended up uh, going into uh, Credit Suisse Bank and coming up through their lobby and kind of popping out into Canary Wharf and then wandering around until I found uh, the, the city building. Um, when I finally got to the office, uh, people were, were kind of amazed that I had walked. They weren't quite sure what to think. Um, they, uh, apparently, the area of London that I walked through is one of the really, really bad sections of town and, and very, very dangerous, and no person in their right mind would ever walk through there. But being an American, um, these were all people with British accents, and they all seemed pretty not scary to me because people with British accents in the United States don't tend to be very scary people. Um, so it was it kind of throws you off your your cultural experience with this is it doesn't really prepare you for uh naturally feeling what is and isn't dangerous i learned 
Uh, but then they decided that uh, because my head is shaved and I look German and I was wearing a, a long black heavy trench coat that I looked so much like a skinhead um, and was probably walking with such purpose and complete lack of fear that um, there was nobody who wasn't afraid of me. So uh, I guess it worked out in my favor. My naivete was uh, to my advantage that I looked like the scary person rather than everyone else. So it worked, uh, worked out pretty well. Um, so no incidents for me, didn't even have uh, my wallet stolen. Um, but after they, they explained to me what I looked like walking through town, uh, it did occur to me that, um, that no one stayed on the street as I went down through the streets. The streets were mostly bare as it was. People weren't walking around. Uh, but when there were people, they did tend to cross the street and, uh, and leave as I came. I thought it was coincidence, but uh, as I thought about it later, I really did not pass anyone on the street. People would always disappear before I got there. So uh, apparently they were giving me a wide berth. Um, worked out pretty well. So I worked at the office for a little while. Uh, it took a long time to get me situated just so I could work, uh, just internal company stuff. Uh, but it was very neat. Got situated in the office, got to meet lots of people that I work with every day. Uh, so that was very, very cool. And uh, and then after uh, work was out, <coughs> um, we went, uh, two of my friends from the office and I, uh, went back, uh, and they showed me how the, the train works, the, the DLR, the Docklands Light Rail, uh, which is a key piece of the, the London train system. And uh, they took me back to where the hotel was, and we, we met Dominica there in the lobby of the hotel, and then the four of us walked around looking for a place to eat. And we tried to go to some of the local pubs and stuff, but uh, that didn't work, and we just couldn't uh, couldn't find anything that was open or that we were interested in. Uh, but pretty much nothing was open, which is one of the first things we learned about London, this being our first night, is that uh, it, just nothing is open. It is the sleepiest town I've ever seen. Every single thing shut down. Uh, we finally found uh, an Indian restaurant down in a really, really neat area uh, and uh, had dinner there, uh, which was very cool. And we walked through some cool parts of the city of London um, uh, to go there and uh, had a good time. And then uh, came home, went to bed on Tuesday. Uh, and Dominica just stayed in the hotel all day Monday. Uh, she didn't do anything special. On Tuesday, I went into the office. I took the Docklands Light Rail, the DLR, which uh, if any of you watch uh, 28 weeks later, uh, the movie. That is, um, Canary Wharf is where everything happens in that movie, and it's the DLR that I took, um, and it's the stations that I used. Uh, if, so if you watch that movie, that's that's pretty much my whole trip right there. Um, <clears throat> Dominica spent uh, Tuesday uh, taking a bus tour of the city, which was very cool. Um, it was uh, kind of rough weather, so she was all bundled up, but she took lots of pictures for me and had a really good time, got to see tons of cool sights uh, while I worked. And then Tuesday night, uh, I just came home from the office and uh, met her at the hotel, and then we just went out and found, uh, and it took us a while to find a pub that was open, but we finally found one that was open and managed to get a meal in the last few minutes. Uh, and this is the amazing thing. I left the office a little bit early because it's not my office, so I don't really need to stay that late. And leaving the office early, going straight home, just around the corner, just just down the DLR, you know, which is like uh, maybe four subway stops is, is the equivalent in distance. Um, so I was home within minutes, immediately walked out the door, went to the first pub we could find, and 
already everything was closed. I have no idea how real people in London get dinner. Uh, it must be quite an ordeal. And from talking to people who live there, uh, what they told me is that no one goes out to eat during the week. It just doesn't happen. Everyone eats at home. Everything is so expensive that uh, no one really considers going out to eat. And it's true when we would eat at the pub with you know each of us getting like fish and chips and each of us getting a beer. Um, and the beer is cheap. It's it's about five dollars for amazing beer, beer that we would pay ten dollars for in, in the states. Um, it's only like five dollars, but the meal itself was easily fifty to seventy-five dollars um, just for fish and chips at the local pub. So the the prices really are insane um, compared to what we are used to. We have we have no idea how expensive food is there. Uh, so we ate. And pretty much that was it for the evening for us. There was there was not really much to do, uh, so we went back to the hotel. Um, then on Wednesday, I went to work, and Dominica took a bus tour again. She was able to get a two-day pass for the price of one kind of thing, because no one ever rides the bus two days in a row. So she took different bus routes and took a tour of uh, the Tower of London, which she really, really enjoyed. Um, and she got a lot better pictures today. Uh, so that went really well. She got to see a lot of tourist stuff, which worked out really well. I wish I could have done it, but I didn't get to. But at least she got to have a really good time. And uh, I went to Canary Wharf and work. And then uh, after work, I, which I went, I stayed up pretty late. Uh, a friend of mine and I went to a bar, not a pub, but an actual bar, on Canary Wharf and hung out for a little while. Uh, then I took the DLR back to uh, the hotel, picked up Dominica, and rode the DLR back to Canary Wharf with her. So she got to see where I work. Uh, and kind of walk around that area just a little bit, and we met another friend and her husband uh, at a popular restaurant there in Canary Wharf and, and had dinner there, which we had a really good time. That was really kind of the highlight of Dominica's trip, actually getting to hang out with me and some friends from work and uh, just relax at a nice restaurant. Then uh, after that, obviously went back to bed, and in the morning uh, we were scheduled to fly to uh, to Dublin. Uh, we had we had played around with a ton of different plans for how to get from England to Ireland, uh, where we're spending the last part of the week. And uh, originally we were going to take a train to a ferry to a train, and eventually we decided it was too much work and uh, flights were so cheap that we should just do that and, and make it a little bit easier. Even though we wouldn't get to see as much, we love taking the train and seeing everything, we just didn't have that kind of time. So we decided to fly. And uh, we talked to people at the office, you know, uh, you know, in the United States, you got to be there two hours before your flight. And everyone, no, 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 no. 20 minutes is more than enough. There's there's no reason to get there early. You're flying out of a small airport. We were flying out of Gatwick instead of uh, Heathrow. And uh, everyone was very adamant that we only needed 20 minutes at the airport. So we allowed ourselves quite a bit more than 20 minutes, uh, but we were... Uh, rather hampered by just how difficult it was on a Thursday morning to move from City of London to Gatwick Airport. Uh, We were rather caught off guard by just how difficult it was uh, to go that distance. So uh, it took us a long time to get to the airport, and we did arrive 45 minutes early, which was more than double the amount of time everyone who lives in England thought we needed to get to the airport. And by the time we arrived... Not only were we too late, but the airlines that we were flying with was no longer at the airport. They actually closed up their entire shop there, converted it to another airlines, which apparently they do every day, and were gone. So there wasn't even someone we could go plead with. There was no way for us to find out what gate we would have flown out of. We were simply out of luck. Um, So we were in a bit of a panic at that point. Uh, and we had to, we went to customer service, and they and they really did work to help us out, and they got us a flight on EasyJet uh, in about 
two hours after that point, I think. So we had uh, enough warning to be able to get onto it, but we did nothing but stand in the line to make sure we didn't miss it this time. And unfortunately, our very, very cheap flight to London turned into a $1,000 flight to Belfast. But it took care of a lot of logistics and got us straight to Belfast. So we actually arrived in Belfast before we would have had we landed in London and then took the train, but it cost us an extra $1,000. So we weren't very happy about that. Uh, But it did work out okay. Uh, except for the $1,000, and uh, we arrived in Belfast in the middle of the day, uh, around noon, I believe, um, and uh, I'll save that for another podcast, because this makes a, a great kind of wrap-up point, um, finishing England and, uh, and leading into Northern Ireland, um, but uh, you know, our England trip was great, but what we did learn from the trip is we absolutely adore rural England. Uh, Stratford-upon-Avon was one of the greatest places we've ever been, and uh, we really, both of us, don't like London. Um, it's not that we don't like it, but it closes too early. It's very, very expensive. It, it is too crowded. The same reasons we, we don't really like Manhattan. Manhattan's very interesting. We love to go there. But it lacks the, the, the interest that we would get in a different location. And the same thing we feel about London. Um, it was only three days there, but uh, neither of us feel a real compelling need to go back to London. I'm sure because of my work that I am likely to be back to London uh, from time to time. But uh, we will never consider it a, uh, a tourist destination. It'll be a, it'll be a work destination only for us or, or a passing through point. Um, uh, plus, London is so expensive from an airport perspective that it makes no sense to use it from a utilitarian standpoint. No matter where you're going in Europe, it is better to fly through some other airport than London. So it's, um, it, it's unlikely that we will be spending very much time in London uh, in the future, while we hope to spend quite a bit of time uh, in England um, and, uh, and the UK. So... Uh, thanks for coming back and listening to the podcast again after all this time I appreciate all my loyal listeners and uh, I will try to get more shows out Um, I'm not making any guarantees as to the frequency but I will uh, I'm going to try to do at least four a year Um, (laughs) which uh, according to last year's numbers is about the level of ambition that that we can hope for but uh, maybe we'll get lucky and get a few more in so thanks for coming back and I hope you enjoyed the show